But here I was, what started as me selling ads, we actually had to build a business. And I didn't know how to incorporate a business. I didn't know how to run a PL. I didn't know how to uh, raise money for a business. I didn't know how to onboard employees. I didn't know what an org chart would look like. I, I literally, Dan, I didn't know anything. And that uh, was kind of one of my first aha moments over a few months. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to, because I've been cold calling people selling ads, I'm going to cold call people that I've read about who have started businesses mm. and I am mm. going to invite them on a trip. Philanthropist, public speaker, and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Do It With Dan podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dan Mengena, here joined by a fellow that does something that's a lot braver than I've got the bravery to do. He spends time in the snow, but right now he's coming in from Florida. We're going to hear his story, a little bit about him, what he's into and how he's serving in the world. Without further ado, Elliot, why don't you let the people know who you are and what it is that you do? Hello, Dan. I am Elliot Bisnow. I am 36 years old and I am your quintessential entrepreneur started my first business at 18 years old in my dorm room. I didn't have any money. Um, as in, I went to college at the university of Wisconsin and my parents didn't give me any money. And mm -hmm. I like ate really crappy food and it was freezing. And I would walk five, five blocks to go to an ATM that did not charge a $2 fee. And I never bought anything from my dorm yeah. room except like a poster on the wall. Um, and as soon as I got to college, like realizing what it was like not having money, um, like I literally couldn't get anything I wanted. <laughs> I was, uh, I realized like, all right, I got to start a business. Um, and I had an experience my freshman year of college where the RA, the resident advisor in my dorm, was screen printing t-shirts as his side hustle, right? So he had like a screen printing press he'd bought for a few hundred bucks. He was buying t-shirts mm -hmm. and he was putting funny slogans on. He was making a thousand bucks a month selling t-shirts. He's a clever guy. So that's why he was the resident advisor of the dorm, which meant he got, you know, a free place to stay. And then his t-shirt business gave him enough money to pay for school. And here's this clever guy, a few years older than me, going to school for free, living for free. And I couldn't believe it. And I actually called my parents and I said, mom, dad, this guy says he has his own business, but that's impossible. Like, cause when I went to college, I was trying to figure out who am I going to work for? Like, who's going to hire me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they're like, mm -hmm. no, you could have your own business. I'm like, what do you mean? Like I never met a single entrepreneur growing up. So that kicked it off when I was 18 years old. Like, oh my gosh, I have to start a business. I have to become an entrepreneur. And for the last 18 years, I've been running 100 miles an hour, building businesses and investing in startups. And my, look, my first two businesses were a disaster. Were a disaster. Um, they didn't work. We didn't attract any clients. I tried, you know, I tried to team up with this guy and, you know, expand the t-shirt business that didn't work. Um, and 
uh, when I was uh, going into my junior year of college, I actually teamed up with my dad and we started a business, an email newsletter for people in commercial real estate. So anyone who, you know, commercial real estate being, you know, the big condo buildings or uh, retail or strip malls or, um, you know, office buildings, um, you know, everything you see in New York City, right? This is a uh, commercial mm. real estate and nobody wrote about commercial real estate, nothing. Mm. And uh, we, my dad had this idea, you know, what if we start like an email newsletter all about commercial real estate? And I said, that's a great idea. And uh, I started selling the ads. I made 20% commission. I got paid nothing. So no base, <laughs> just commission. And I thought this is the greatest job in the world. And <laughs> I, you know, figured out how to use Microsoft Excel. I figured out how to find potential advertisers. And I just started, you know, pitching advertisers and trying to sell ads from my dorm room at the University of Wisconsin. And I actually did sell uh, a bunch of ads. Like I would literally pick up the phone. I'd be like, hi, can I talk to your marketing director? And they'd say, nope. And they'd hang up. And then I'd call a few days later. Hi, who's your marketing director? Oh, it's Dan. Oh, great. Could I talk to him? Nope. Hang up. Call a few days later. Hi, this is Elliot Biznow calling for Dan. And uh, oh, sure, we'll put you right through. So <laughs> strategy, it, it, it strategy. Kind of, <laughs> it kind of went like that. And I actually started yeah. selling a lot of ads. Um, mm -hmm. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I started selling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of ads. And I was not quite 21 mm -hmm. years old yet. And all the checks started coming to my dorm. Uh, I just mm -hmm. put uh, like suite 702 mm -hmm. instead of apartment 702. And then the checks would come mm -hmm. to my parents' house. And suddenly, <laughs> like here I was with no money and I'm getting like 20,000, $50,000, $100,000 checks in the mail. And I'm getting the commission on that. Like mm -hmm. my first sale ever was $6,000 mm -hmm. and I made $1,200. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, I cannot mm -hmm. tell any of my friends how rich I am. <laughs> Cause you will be, you will be buying the pizzas. Like I have, I have $1,200 <laughs> of cash. Um, money. And, and, but yeah, we started making money. We took all the money, we invested into the business. And as any, you know, mm -hmm. fateful entrepreneur would have it, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take one semester off of college. And I moved back into my bedroom, mm -hmm. back into my parents' house. And one semester turned into two mm -hmm. semesters, turned into three years, four mm -hmm. years. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, from there, my entrepreneurial... <laughs> I... I am a lifelong learner and I'm obsessed with learning yeah. and reading. So I consider myself, mm -hmm. I consider myself an amazing student and I try to mm -hmm. always be very thoughtful in telling people that I left college. Cause I think it sets the wrong precedent because mm -hmm. I really loved college and mm -hmm. I really loved mm -hmm. learning. Like the whole point of going to college mm -hmm. was to get a job and to learn mm -hmm. skills in the real world. And once I acquired those skills and I had the opportunity to have my own company, it obviously didn't make sense mm -hmm. to keep going to school. And I'll pass mm -hmm. it right back to you so you can just grill me with questions. Um, but look, from there, mm -hmm. what, what really set off the part of my journey that our book, Make No Small Plans, is about, and you know, the part of our journey that has become very well known is that I dropped mm -hmm. out of college, Dan. I moved into my childhood bedroom with my parents and I'm this ad salesperson and I'm 20, I've now just turned 21. And I realized over the course of a few months, I don't, I don't actually know anything except I'm 
good at selling ads and I'm kind of gregarious, <laughs> but we've, we've all met like a good salesperson and mm-hmm. there's not a lot below the surface. You know, they're mm. pitching this and pitching that. And everyone, there's a joke. People would call me Casino Floor Elliot. What, what, what ad package do you need, Dan? Let me take you out for a lunch. How about a little <laughs> hey, of this? <laughs> hey. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, but here I was, what started as me selling ads, we actually had to build a business and I didn't know how to incorporate a business. I didn't know how to run a PL. I didn't know how to mm. uh, raise money for a business. I didn't know how to onboard employees. I didn't know what an org chart would look like. I, I literally, Dan, mm. I didn't know anything. And that uh, was kind of one of my first aha moments over a few months. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to, because I've been cold calling people selling ads, I'm going to cold call people that I've read about who have started businesses Hmm. and I am going to invite them on a trip. And I cold Hmm. called for the first summit event ever. I cold called, you know, the founder of Tom's shoes, Blake Mykoski. Mm -hmm. He had just started Mm -hmm. Tom's and I cold called the founders of Vimeo and college humor, Ricky Van Mm Veen and Josh Abramson. And me not knowing anything led to me reaching out to people I didn't know. I put on the first summit event. It was 19 people. And I got this, this group, together for a ski weekend all the way Mm -hmm. back in 2008, 19 people all in our early twenties to ideate. And that first event based on me not knowing anything was the foundation upon which summit was built on. And now we've been building summit for 15 years. Wow. (laughs) Um, one of the, the funniest things is not relevant to the questions I'm going to ask, but the funniest thing is, wow, I'm rich. I cannot tell my friends. I cannot <laughs> tell my friends because it's, it's crazy how um, that point of decision is a big one for a lot of people because some people won't actually make the move from the beginning because they're scared about what they may end up being in with a situation with not being to tell friends. Some people play small because they don't grow their friends, but you actually went, you did it and now can actually be a powerful example to your friends and to all of us for what can happen when you, you say, you know, forget it. I, I had some, some no's, right? Some people told me, no, I had to call back a couple of times. I had some stuff I didn't know about. Like you said, the first two businesses didn't work out, but here you are 15 years later with a legacy of something that came from you just going out and going for it when you didn't really know. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, Elliot, that you are indeed the quintessential entrepreneur. You, you jumped out of the plane and cold called for a, a parachute on the way down. So <laughs> thank you for all that you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was wanted to reflect back on the whole thing about the, the university because uh, you did better than me. I think I lasted one year, one year maybe of uni and I dipped out. My mum still keeps asking me when I'm going to be going back to finish my degree, which is always a funny one. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that happened. <laughs> uh, of this journey that you've been on or of this adventure that's been going on for the last 15 years. When would you say you were most challenged by what you had to do to bring things forward? Was it like uh, overcoming something within yourself, something that you had to learn, some resistance you had to push through, a particular no that hit you hard? Well, at the beginning of your journey, things feel more unattainable but the leap Mm -hmm. is much smaller. 
and the risk mm-hmm. is much lower, right? You really need to close a mm-hmm. $10,000 sale or you need mm-hmm. to find one person. And as things get bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. it gets more and more difficult. For me, the thing that always made the journey fun and always allowed us to keep going was having co-founders and business partners. That That is mm. just foundationally been the most important thing. You know, when I started with my dad, you know, there were weeks I wasn't selling ads and it was, I was, I would cry like basically every Friday afternoon because I was afraid, mm. you know, that we were going to have to, you know, mortgage our house or, or you know, mm-hmm. lose the mortgage on our house. Like I was just petrified. Um, but I always had mm-hmm. my dad. And then pretty early mm-hmm. on, we brought in some other business partners. So I always had them to talk to. Mm. And, mm. and as I built Summit and I went through, you know, the various parts of the journey from the very beginning, I, I pretty much had Summit co-founders, right? And we all mm-hmm. had different skill sets. Someone was great at tech. Someone was great at building the community. Someone was great at selling. And no matter what challenges we came up against, we had this core team. And so I can't re- I cannot really imagine trying to run a business or do all of this by myself. I just don't think mm. it would be fun. And you know, look, if your you know business is very hard and there's a lot of ups and the downs feel like they last forever, but when you have a team mm-hmm. that's standing shoulder to shoulder, it makes it much mm-hmm. much much more doable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was just um I was just on Necker Island um, with uh, Mastermind in Mavericks 1000. And the part the, the theme for the week was actually partnerships and looking at the potency that comes from you actually partnering up with people and coming together to make something happen. And I think I really want to call forward for the listeners to really listen to what Elliot just said, that the thing that allowed him to navigate all of these challenges is that he wasn't trying to do it alone. And I think far too often as entrepreneurs, as uh, solopreneurs, as people that want to get into the world of business, we look just to our own strengths. We look to our own weaknesses instead of remembering that was it 7.7, 7.5 billion people in the world. And in that, in those billions of people, they're going to be others who are looking for you and the skills that you have because they've got a missing piece. And when you come together, you can really add some value into the world. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> With those early cold calls that you're making in terms of getting the first summit together, were there any particular pearls that you got from the experience of either cold calling or connecting or learning from people that you were reaching out to at the time? Yeah. So one of the best stories in our book um, is that when I had this idea to reach out to people at the very Mm -hmm. beginning, I actually first reached out to people that I knew people that I'd run across. Here I was, I was this 21-year-old ad salesman and I started reaching out to other people that I'd run into. I'd gotten their business cards and I said, hey, you know, I would love to invite you to this ski trip. Um, And they said, I know you, you're kind of a moderately successful ad person. I'll pass. Called the next person. I'd love to invite you to a ski trip. They said, you can barely sell ads. Why would I trust you to plan a trip? And so my initial outreach Mm -hmm. actually fell flat. And what happened is that, uh, you know, and we end one of the chapters with this like very powerful moment. Um, Summit was born in the re- in, in the moment that I that I realized I needed a more entrepreneurial set of names. 
And so what happened mm. when I called people who were actually much more successful than me, like the founder of Tom Shoes, like the founders of Vimeo, mm. because they were entrepreneurs and because they didn't know me, two things happened. The first is I said, hi, I'm Elliot Biznow. I have a startup. I'm building my own business. Mm -hmm. We're not successful yet, but we have six employees and I'm really looking to get other entrepreneurs together. Because they were entrepreneurs, they immediately realized like, wow, this is an impressive thing. Whereas the other mm -hmm. people I knew, they didn't give me credit for being an entrepreneur. They thought whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a game respects game, right? Like entrepreneurs with you, with you. respect yeah, yeah. entrepreneurs. And the second thing, almost more importantly, is because they didn't know who I was, they had no preconceived judgments of me. Uh, like if you, and I'm sure you still deal with this, you're a very successful podcast host, Dan, but I'm sure that there's some people in your life you've known for 20 years and they still look at you like little Dan from high school. Like you just <laughs> like, dude, I did all these things. Like I'm not that person. And there's something about meeting someone today and you look them in their eye and you see who they are in this moment. They have no baggage. They have no history and they earn your trust based on this moment and moving forward. And hmm. all the people that I already knew, here's this goofy kid. I went to this kind of second rate ish college. I, I didn't get into mm -hmm. any of the seven colleges I applied to. I dropped out of school all my friends thought I was crazy. I'm living at home with my parents. And I was just not very <laughs> inspiring. And suddenly mm. I call people I don't know. I say, I'm Elliot Biznow. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got my own startup. I'm living in Washington, D.C., the nation's mm -hmm. capital. And I would love to invite mm -hmm. you on this ski trip with other entrepreneurs. And they felt I was authentic and I was fun. Mm -hmm. And they all said yes. They were also willing to mm. take a risk. Um Two of the people that came were the founders of College Humor and Vimeo. And they even mm -hmm. thought to themselves, you know what? Even if this guy turns out to be, you know, selling us timeshares and let's just say the trip is a disaster, <laughs> I, I offered to pay for um, I offered to pay for the airfare. And they thought, you know what? We'll get a yeah. free trip to Utah. And worst case, we have a great yeah. time for a week. And so I think, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset, like when you reach out to other entrepreneurial people, they give you entrepreneurial answers. It's like, oh, you want to be an activist. Mm. You should probably reach out to activist minded people. They would probably be mm. interested in what you're doing. And so mm -hmm. I reached out to entrepreneurs and they didn't just shut me down because they're entrepreneurs. They listened mm. and some said no, mm. but for the, but at the very least, every one of them listened Mm -hmm. And a lot of them then came to their own conclusions. You know what? This is a great idea. Let's do it. Mm. Yeah. What rings to mind, uh, comes to mind for me is the whole idea of not speaking caterpillar talk to butterfly people, or is it butterfly talk to caterpillar people? And that's not negating the role that either one of those have in nature as a whole. But if you're trying to have a conversation with someone who's just not going to get it, they're just not going to get it. And as soon as you change the audience, the message can be received, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it leaves you space to then go and build on that because here you are 15 years later, taking those earlier chances that paid off and now having uh, a track record that you can share with people so that they can see, oh, he's not just some snotty faced kid. Uh, he is an authentic go for it young man who, you know, we took a punt on and maybe we can make something work here. So yeah, kudos to that. Kudos to that. Are there any, um, are there any people that 
haven't been to your summits yet that you're like, I would love to have that human. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll get to hear this podcast and be like, oh, I, I like his story. I'd like to come to, to Utah also. Well, I'm really into the next generation. And mm. having put on events for 15 years and realized what I'm passionate about, I'm just passionate about young people trying to find their way. Way more mm. by a thousand times than hanging out with uh, famous or successful people. Like I really mm -hmm. love finding young people trying to find their way or just in general, people trying to find their way. There's mm -hmm. a moment people have where they have a dream and they realize they can maybe do it or they're just starting. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the moment that I love to meet people. Mm. And, you know, so for example, one of my friends did an Instagram post around our book and he said, you know, whoever writes in the comments, why make no small plans inspired them the most and, and why it's so meaningful. Elliot will FaceTime the three winners and there's hundreds of comments across his various social channels. And I decided, you know, mm -hmm. I went through all the comments and the comments were so inspiring that I actually mm -hmm. picked eight people and I set up, I set up a weekly call with them. I set up challenges mm -hmm. for them every single week. And these are just eight random people from the Instagram comments. And now mm -hmm. we're all friends. We're all on a, you know, a chat all day, every day. And so these are just, <laughs> this is like the kind of people I enjoy meeting. Like you'd think after mm -hmm. doing all these events and having all these well-known people, like I'd have on my, I'd have some hit list, some target list. I want to meet these mm -hmm. famous people. It's like totally the opposite. I, I really mm -hmm. want to meet the people who want to break through, who have soul, who have passion. Um, and what I find is that I actually learn more from them than they learn from me. And mm -hmm. they can't really believe that, but mm -hmm. it's true. Mm -mm -mm. And I think that really, as a message, that kind of speaks to snotty-faced Elliot and the authenticity that he carried, because it kind of speaks to, to your character that it isn't about who the fancy pants person is. It's what the impact is. How can I, at the early days, probably, how can I be poured into? And now it's how can I pour into others? It's sort of giving back and creating this flow uh, of expansion that's really inspiring to hear. I want to know a little bit more about the book, though. I definitely want to have uh, the listeners kind of, I'm sure they're kind of ah, salivating and, and was it chomping at the bit to go and grab it? But talk me through a little bit more about, you know, the, what's going on in the book, the kind of things that people can walk, walk away with, uh, the kind of person that's really going to be supported by reading and, and digesting this book. Well, writing a book was very fun. And, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a lot of thought process to think about, all right, what kind of book am I going to write? Like if you're mm -hmm. listening now and you're thinking about your life, and you're thinking about the books that you've read. Most books are not memoirs from Dan when he was three to how old he is now. And it's a, that's mm. not how most great books are, right? They, mm. you know, they have, you know, very specific points of the story, like a shoe dog about the founder of Nike. The book ends in 1981, the day Nike goes public. I mean, that's mm. mind blowing. And the book just came out a few years ago. Mm. Right. And he focused on those early five years when they're, you know, making track shoes literally out of what is it like his mom's waffle iron in the garage, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, um, and I think with our book, what we did, you know, we started the book basically right when I was making the decision to drop out of college. Mm -hmm. 
when I'm 21 years old. And we end the book when I'm 27, the day that we bought Powder Mountain Ski Resort. Like we sign, we buy the resort and that's the day the book ends. And so our book, I guess it's about the six craziest years of our life. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. 1800 days or so. Mm-hmm. And it takes us from like no connections, no resources, no money, no co-founders. Not only does nobody believe in us, but no, everybody thinks that I'm crazy. So how did I meet these co-founders? How did we do the first summit? You know, what were the problems? Like after the second event, I blew up the entire community that I'd worked for one year to build. I made this disastrous mm-hmm. mistake. Wow. Um, I, I, disastrous. And I overshot the landing. And I put out an email to everyone that that landed me on the cover of Gawker, making fun of me and call, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> glad you can laugh about it. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd when probably you still be crying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you've when you've been doing it for 15 years, you, uh, you, you learn how to you learn how to deal with it. Um, and uh And it went from, you know, blowing up the whole community, making all these mistakes, not even understanding what a community was to how did we actually Mm -hmm. build this? How did we build our team? You know, and what were all really, how did we do it? How did we, you know, we ended up, you know, living together with, you know, 18 of our team members, you know, how are we saving money? How are we producing our events? You know, how did we Mm -hmm. build a community? And so what it came down to was like, here's everything we learned in six years, from having no idea what we're doing to, you know, stewarding, you know, this community and putting on, you know, multi-thousand person events, you know, music, content, and art festivals all over the world. Hmm. I want everybody to take a pause and listen to something. And it didn't wake up this morning with fabulous hair and a successful global business where he's like, yeah, I don't need to meet any more famous people. I want to meet everyday people. There was a journey and that journey probably required him digging into parts of himself that he didn't even know existed and getting to the other side now and being able to contribute and being excited about the contribution. There are many, many, many people that you can learn from, but I think when you can learn from someone who's displayed, not by what they wrote on a social media post, but by actually how they show up every day, then that's the kind of person that you want to learn from. So I want to encourage all of you to grab the book, to go and look for everything that Elliot's done, to tune in and see what you can learn from someone who's gone and learned from other people just so he can pour into you. So my gratitude and from me on behalf of the Dreamers for, um, for everything that you're doing, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. Um, uh, looking at the journey beyond the book, what are some... What are some nuggets that you can share with us that we won't find in the book? Because it's after that, you know, that fateful and momentous day of you signing the contracts on the ski resort. Well, the best decision I ever made from a business standpoint mm-hmm. was taking all the money that I ever made, which wasn't that much at the beginning, of course, mm-hmm. and investing it into startups. And mm-hmm. so starting right when I left college and I started making a little money, you know, I didn't know how to value public tech stocks. I wasn't going to buy mm-hmm. bonds. You know, of course I saved some money, but here we were putting on these summit events, bringing all these really incredible entrepreneurs to attend, to speak. And they were telling us about these companies that they were starting. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's this concept, um, 
there's this concept of let's let's call it a negative space, right? Where like you build a staircase to get from the bottom floor to the top floor, but then you have this extra space under the staircase where you build a really cool library. Or mm. you have to pick your friend up at the airport and what you're trying to do is get to the airport, but then you have this hour. And in the hour, you're listening to a podcast or a book on tape or making calls. Mm-hmm. And for us, and so negative space is this extra that you don't think mm. about. It's almost like you're doing, uh, you're, you're starting, you know, your business and then there's something that comes adjacent to it. And mm. you, you, you should not skip that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to stay focused, but don't skip it. And what happened with us is here we were putting on these events, building this community. And that was our passion. That was our focus. But we realized here's all these incredible people are coming and they're talking about their startups. Maybe we should ask them if we can invest in their startups. Hmm. And so over the course of putting on the summit events, when we would hear about an amazing startup, we would say, hey, do you think we could invest into your startup? Hmm. And so we met the founders of Warby Parker, um, oh. at the, you know, and we said, hey, we don't have much money, but could, you know, we write you as the Summit co-founders, like a really small check. And that's how mm. we became the first ever investors in Warby Parker. Or Ooh, we met the founders of Uber. Before, the founders of Uber came to Summit before they started Uber. And when Get they out. told us oh, yeah. about Uber, we said, wow, like we don't have a lot of money, but could we write a small check into Uber? <laughs> and... We met the founders of Coinbase and the founders of Allbirds and it goes on and on. And so, you know, we've probably made over a hundred startup investments the last 15 years. Mm. And it turned Mm -hmm. out that with Summit, like the whole reason we're building (laughs) Summit is to build community. It's not about, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not about making money. Looking for the alpha. You weren't looking for the alpha. You were looking for the connection. Yeah. And all the money that the business makes, like a business has gross and net margins, like we don't take the money out. We invest it mm-hmm. into the next year's event and we invest the money mm-hmm. into new team members. So in mm-hmm. fact, all the money from the summit events that we made, we reinvested for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that the actual, like for us in the past, <laughs> like one thing that was a really good business was taking our money and investing it into the amazing people and companies that came to summit. So I think that's just a takeaway, you know, stay focused, but don't miss obvious space. things, negative space or things that are just adjacent to you. You're starting a band and you're focused on your band. Don't miss investing in the next, you know, amazing music startup. You know, don't mm-hmm. miss being a partner in, you know, a label that your friend is starting. You know, mm-hmm. don't miss uh, signing a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just stay focused. Mm hmm but have a little bit of awareness. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really fine line that you're inviting us to look at there, isn't it? because some people might get lost in that, because it's, it's a really subtle thing, because it's almost like, so when I was learning to photo read, for example, and when I was learning to photo read, there was this whole thing about peripheral vision, where you'd, you'd have like, a focused and yet softly expanded gaze that allows you to capture more of what's going on. And that's how you can consume at the speed that you can when you're photo reading. And yet it's easy to, when you are photo reading, get lost in looking at the corners of the pages or trying to, but I think 
everybody that's listening to this advice needs to, I feel, really get clear on the fact that at the start of all of this was that you had the focus, you had the mission, you had the passion, and that focus actually created a magnetic attraction for the other opportunities that you called in and were able then to take advantage of. Because if you weren't passionately delivering a high quality caliber community and event, then those people wouldn't have even been in your sphere anyway. So it's like you, you kind of have to have the scene and landscape set for those additional opportunities that are going to be in that negative space that you can grow into, right? It's just, it's everywhere. You're an author mm. and you've written a book, you know, don't mm-hmm. be shy about starting a newsletter. Again, mm-hmm. you know, you can't do everything, stay focused, but mm-hmm. in every single industry, there's always very thoughtful, strategic, adjacent opportunities. But I think this goes back to what you're saying before as well about um, partnerships and having other people in the team and allowing yourself to partner up because maybe the opportunity exists in someone that can be that added leverage by what they bring to the table. Not that you have to take advantage of these negative space opportunities yourself. Maybe your role is to be that um, that focused quarterback. I don't know. I don't know American sports all that well, but you'd be the focused quarterback. But then you, you draft in the partnerships and the and the, the 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 co-creation of your running back or whatever. I'm just pulling some words out, but I'm sure yeah. everybody understands what I'm saying, right? And then as a team, you can all win and deliver amazing value in the world. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I've got one final canoodling question that I want to lay on you before I invite you to give us some closing thoughts. And that's, is there anything about your journey that you wouldn't wish on anybody else that was going into entrepreneurship or going into building community or going into the startup space? Well, when you think about the idea of make no small plans, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to put that into context. You know, it's, Mm. it's make no small plans relative to yourself (laughs) and to where you are Mm. and to where you want to go. Um, Mm. and making no small plans may mean starting just a small nonprofit you wanted to start or starting your, you know, or just writing your book that may, may be your no small plans. And I think there's times that we have definitely thought too big, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, look, everything has nuance. Everything has context, right. You know, everyone listening is right now, these are sophisticated, thoughtful people. There isn't one tagline or one mantra or one piece of advice that, you know, solves your, your business dilemma or life (laughs) issues. And so I think, you know, we think of make no small plans, think a little bit bigger, break out. And there's definitely times where we have thought too big and we've set ourselves up to just be fighting an uphill battle for years on end because we just, Mm. we just thought too big. It's like, um, you know, you want to write a book. Okay. It might, you know, make no small plans may be writing your dream book. It doesn't necessarily mean you signed a five book deal and, you know, signed away 10 years Mm. of your Mm -hmm. life. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to be a film director. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're supposed to start with a short film, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, not taking every dollar you have and plowing it into some fantasy that could go down. I think, you know, look, we, we're also just very big proponents of taking calculated risk, 
you know, starting a business in college was a great idea for me because I had, a, even if it was crappy food and I didn't have money, I had a way to fall back. Mm-hmm. And I think that the how people make no small plans, how people take risk is very important. You don't have to, mm-hmm. have, oh, I have a new startup and I've put every dollar I ever had and mm-hmm. it's all on the line. It has to work. That that's not a good idea generally. And there's there's no need to there's no there's no need to do that. Um, yeah. So I think in you know especially in our early years we're too cavalier. We were not mm-hmm. cautious. You know we would we would say okay well let's double the size of our next event and we take all of our money and we put down a deposit on the next hotel and we'd say all right the events mm-hmm. in six months. I hope we go sell some tickets so we're all out of business. Like I probably I probably would have grown the community 50% more slowly. Like instead of doubling mm-hmm. the event every year because it went from 19 to 60 to 120 to 250, mm-hmm. then it went to mm-hmm. 750 people, 1400 people. I probably would have grown mm-hmm. it at 50% a year. I'm with you. So just be be vigilant in your takeover. <laughs> <laughs> just you heard it here first, guys. Go fifty percent and not double. Um, now, this is also for me uh, because I, I had the I had the epiphany. I mean, over this last year, I've I've just been really poured into by some awesome mentors. I didn't even realize I'd get the opportunity to learn from, and I started gathering some nuggets that I've learned from them. And maybe I'll put. I don't know what I'm going to do with these nuggets, but I've been gathering them. At, I think the definitely the one from Elliot Biz now was grow by 50% and not double. <laughs> uh, because again, I think people take these catchphrases, they take these buzzwords and they run with it. Like you said, without putting it into context and personalizing it. And that can easily lead to just blowing out and, you know, losing everything. So uh, really appreciate that insight and context. Um, even though we're not expecting a buzzword to change the entire thing, Elliot, uh, do you have a thought that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we grab some ways that they can connect with you and, and learn from you and maybe even find out about how to join in your awesome community? I always got thoughts, Dan. <laughs> he always got thoughts. Yeah. He always got, I, thoughts. <laughs> I think everyone should try to build their own peer group and community, even if it's four people or seven people. Like I gave the example of this Instagram group. I mean, mm-hmm. these people are amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And they're just random people I pulled from the comments of Instagram and I got them all together and now we're all friends and we're chatting and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not hard to build a peer group. And it, I find from almost everyone I talk to who's trying to make it and just starting, oh, you know, all my friends around me don't believe in me and they don't get it. And like Mm. people feel very isolated. And Mm. so I think, you know, building your own group, you know, you have co-founders, but then you have your own crew. I mean, even Mm -hmm. the new, the new, you know, because Summit, we have a bunch of different companies that we've started. And the company we started two years ago, Summit Junto, we build advisory boards for people. And so we build seven person Mm -hmm. advisory boards. So people have their own personal advisory board and we pair them and we get them together, together every month. So I think just in general, like I am a very big advocate of surrounding yourself with entrepreneurial people who listen to your crazy ideas, who help guide you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just love the quote, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. 
And if you mm. spend it with people who don't believe in your vision, don't listen to you and always poo poo you, that is not going to be a path to success. Thank you. And thank you for pouring it to us and giving us something to chew on, expand from, and maybe go out and be a positive light in the world with really appreciate you. Um, this time we've got to spend together uh, and just all that you shared, uh, guys make no small plans, but as Elliot said, make no small plans in context. <laughs> uh, why not share this episode with a friend who also maybe could learn some of these nuggets. Maybe, you know, an entrepreneur who is isolated, who is at the beginning of their journey, who could do with some wisdom. And as always, you know, leave us a rate and review. So we know that you're listening, that we're saying the thing that is filling you up. Elliot, best way for people to connect with you, please, sir. I, have a specific setup, which is I am findable, but it takes effort. My email, my email is findable. That it's, it's, there's no, my email is findable. And what I find is that every day, a number of people figure it out and they, they find me. <laughs> Otherwise, if you just want to follow, you can follow at summit, but I, this is kind of the first part of my challenge, you know, cause everyday people want to reach out. The first mm -hmm. step is we see if they can find me. The mm. second step is we see what kind of a note that they write me. And, uh. um, and, uh, otherwise, yeah, just follow at summit. And that's, that's, uh, that's all of our updates. Awesome. 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 We'll make sure that we pop that in the show notes and challenge you all to see if you can, where is Elliot's email address? Where's it? <laughs> Do you remember that cartoon? Cartoon? Where's Carmen San Diego? No, oh, I yeah, oh, yeah. two years younger than me. Yeah. Where is Elliot's email address? No, didn't, didn't, that didn't land. No, no, I got Not it. Not to give I up my it. podcasting career. <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elliot, thank you again for hanging out today. It's been absolutely awesome. Uh, looking forward to doing my own review of the book uh, when it, comes spinning around on my to read list. Um, and yeah, just keep rocking it. Keep serving, keep showing up, keep being the awesome, authentic you listeners keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life and make no small plans, but do that in context. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.